Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writing excuses season 18 episode 52 this is writing excuses writing inside the box 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart i'm mary robinette i'm dong one i'm aaron and i'm howard okay What we're going to talk about today is the difference between uh, sort of the way that short stories work and the way that novels work. And what I mean by this is when I teach, I often have people write a short story and at the end of it, I'm like, this kind of wants to be a novel. And on the other hand, whenever I want to write a novel, it's like, this is actually a short story. So (laughs) what is the difference between these two and what are we doing differently and how do we know which one our story should be? Okay, so I have, a, I have a lot of feelings about this because, um, because I started as a short story writer and I moved to novels. And one of the things that would happen to me with my novels was that people would be like, was that my endings always felt rushed because I was doing a short story ending. Hmm. And one of the things that happens with a short story is that you stick the landing and you get out. Okay. Uh, with a novel, you kind of linger, but when you've got the short story that feels like a novel, what's happened is you've opened another story question. So people who've heard me talk about Mice Quotient, um, I will recap it very quickly. It's an organizational theory. You've got uh, milieu, inquiry, character, and event, and each of these represent a kind of plot thread that can be the driver. And then when you've got multiple of them, you use them in a nesting format. So if you open milieu, then you open inquiry, you close inquiry, then you close milieu. So what happens with the stories that are really a novel is that you get to the end and you close the milieu and then you say, but also there's this character thing. And, and it, it, you just raise this one other question. And this will frequently happen because a lot of people um, have been trained on reading novels and and the, the novel pacing at the end often raises that additional question. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're like, and then there's this, dun, dun, dun. And it's, it's usually a consequence of something that people have, have done leading up to that point. So, um, so like with uh, your story, uh, Ghost, with the... Um, Sour Milk Girls. Sour Milk Girls. Um, when, when she, that, that final scene, when she's putting Brenda down, that closes everything up very nicely. If after that you had put another paragraph or another line that that said she'd have to figure out how to set this right, mm. that was going to be like this feels like a novel, and it's it's really you know it's you just exploring that character moment one beat too long. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think one of the other things that I often see is a pacing. Like you're talking about mm-hmm. a pacing issue. I often think of pacing as like you know driving a car. You know, so if you kind of linger on like slowly packing up the car and like you're putting every object in and looking at it, like to me that says it's a long journey and we're going to be with you for a while. If then you're like, and after I packed the car up slowly, I was in California across the country. It's like, 
what? Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. like, but what? Yeah. I feel like there's more that you were going to tell me. Like, why did we go in that jar of pickles for so long if it was never <laughs> going to be important? Like, and so I think that sometimes what happens is people are writing a short story and they add all that slow pacing yeah. in and then none of it pays off. And it feels like the novel is where it would pay yeah. off. You know, I, I, I love this idea of like thinking about the ending of the story and how that gestures towards novel versus towards short story or even ending of a scene doing that. Um, when I think about the beginnings of things, mm-hmm. it's it's also lining up with what Aaron is saying, that there's two kinds of density that are really important, right? Mm. A short story is dense in information about the main thing that you're engaging with, right? It's setting up the main conflict, it's setting up the main questions, all of those things. A novel is going to be dense like a layer cake is dense, right? Like, you know, uh, there's there's a density to a short story where you're getting a lot of, like, chewiness right away. Uh, uh, but a novel is going to have lots of different threads being laid out in that opening scene in terms of here's a wider range of characters, of world building, of plot hooks, right? If you're introducing only one element in your opening scene, that often tells me or often will feel more like a story versus if you're finding a way to seed in multiple questions and adding depth to what you're doing, that to me feels more novelistic and makes me feel like this is there's enough here to expand and grow because in a novel, fundamentally, very rarely are you only going to have an A plot for a novel. You, you're generally going to need a B, C, D, E plot, you know, in various ways or different elements that come in and out, right? Even if A and B is your main one. Whereas a short story, you can you can really do just have one or maybe one and two, right? Um, you know, you look at all three of the stories that you gave us for this really are just one plot, right? There's one set of characters, one set of action, um, you know, there's flashback components in Sour Milk Girls, but those are so integrally tied into the forward action in the main plot that they don't feel like a B-plot in that way. So that's kind of how I tend to think about the difference of when you're meeting the story. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with that. And I think of it in terms of, um, of proportion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that that both of them use the same the same kind of tools, many of the same, you know, there's there's many of the same recipes that can be used. But for a short story, you're you're making it a single serving. Yeah. So instead of three cups of flour, you might do, you know, a cup of flour if you're cutting it down by a third or or a tablespoon of flour. I can't imagine what that recipe is. But what I think happens to a lot of short story writers who have been trained on novels is that rather than cutting the the proportions down across the entire story, so fewer characters, fewer plot threads, fewer words right at the beginning. Um, they cut all of the the cut, cut it all from the end of the recipe. So it's like saying, "All right, I'm going to make this serving for one person, and I know that that means that it only needs to take up, you know, this it it needs to go into this bowl. Put in a cup of flour, and uh, or put in three cups of flour and uh, my my sugar, and that's all it can hold. So I'm going to leave the liquid out." <laughs> <laughs> This sounds like how I cook. I always end up with food for 10 people. And people are like, there's only two people coming to dinner. Yeah, what did you do? That sounds yeah. like Anyways, a delicious yeah. breading for uh, <laughs> something. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, way I, the way I handled it in, uh, in Schlock Mercenary, um, every one of the adventures that the Tufts would take on in Schlock Mercenary could be told as a short story with a bunch of, um, <laughs> when you think of, when you think of uh, Tolkien's The Hobbit, the dwarves were all pretty much faceless. We really didn't have much character for the dwarves, okay? Um, if you told each of the schlock mercenary adventures in that way with faceless mercenaries, 
Um, yeah, that'd be a, a short story with a beginning and a middle and an end and some shooting. Um, that's not why that's that, that's not what makes the stories fun for me. What makes them mm-hmm. fun is the characters having adventures and having arcs. And so at the beginning of these books, I would pick which characters were going to do which things and have which arcs. And each of their arcs could theoretically be compressed into a short mm-hmm. story. But by stacking them together, I ended up with, you know, long, full books that had all of the various pieces and beginnings, middles, and ends, and were mm-hmm. long. So I have this controversial theory that any story can be a short story and any story can be a novel. Um, but that they will be fundamentally different mm. by changing form. So if you think about Wizard of Oz, um, and, and we use my, my mice quotient theory, uh, you can tell a story about Dorothy and about Dorothy learning, like fundamentally Wizard of Oz. You go into Oz and all of this, but it's it's Dorothy learning that she can be satisfied at home, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the that's her character arc. So when you watch the film, there's this moment where she goes to Professor Marvel, and he says, "You can you don't have to go any looking any farther for adventure than your own backyard." And then she goes home. And 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 then you know the, the, there's or, then there's the tornado that happens that takes her to Oz. If if you decide that you aren't going to go to Oz, if you cut that milieu, if you cut if you cut the question of what do the ruby slippers do, and you strip it, if you cut the event of the tornado and you strip it down to just the character, you're still telling that beautiful little character arc. It's not the Wizard of Oz anymore, but it's still this beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And you can look at. There's a number of books out there that began as a short story and then their authors unpack them into a novel. Um, The examples that I'm coming up with are much older stories like The Ship Who Sang, and there are some problems with that story. But it began as a short story, and and that short story is still embedded in the novel, but they're fundamentally two different books. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, thinking about that, like, how would I turn The Wizard of Oz into a short story? Because I'm the opposite way. I want everything to be short fiction. And we were talking about non-traditional formats uh, last week, and I was thinking about lists, which were one we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah. The list. And I was yeah. like, I would probably be like, six times I needed the ruby slippers, and one time I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. part of it is that what you do in short stories is a lot of compression. Yes. And one of yes. the reasons for me that it can be difficult to try to write a novel is that it's like if I was baking a cake, and they were like, put three cups of flour, but I'm used to using a teaspoon. And so right. as I slowly dig the flour out, I get really bored. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm still, like, dealing with this flower. I'm just going to make the thing I was going to make because, like, I feel like I'll be here forever. Yeah. And so part of it is, like, changing the techniques that you're using. Like, when are you being, when are you, like, skipping through, like, a large detail and putting it into a smaller one? And when are you taking time to linger over the words Mm -hmm. and slow down your pacing? And we will speak about that more after the break. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. 
Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is a high bar that very few things clear for me, and that bar is, man, I wish I'd written this. Scenes from a Multiverse by John Rosenberg. It is a four to six panel non sequitur webcomic found at amultiverse.com that talks about, I, I don't know, anything, politics, uh, sociology, just random funniness. John's art is uh, is crisp and 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 fluid, and it's uh, it's difficult to describe. You just have to go look. Amultiverse.com, Scenes from a Multiverse by Joan Rosenberg. If any of you have ever wondered what kind of a conversation uh, that horrible horrible skunk Pepe Le Pew might have with his agent, this is the sort of place where you can find out. So one thing um, that I kind of want to bring up that's a little bit sideways, but I think it's a useful way to think about it, is there's been an interesting thing happening in the film and TV world over the past several years, right? We've been in this golden age of streaming. And the thing about streaming is that it is very focused on series over features, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. And so it it actually became very difficult to sell a feature because, you know, uh, uh, movie theaters were contracting. There were less opportunities for it. Movies were getting more and more expensive. So everyone's moving to streaming. Now, what is interesting is I had this realization that a movie is basically a short story-sized piece of content, right? Mm, so yes. I was thinking of this when you were talking about Wizard of Oz, which was a novel and then got adapted into a short story. I think the reason some of the best movie adaptations are ones that either come from a story. Uh, Arrival is a great example, which is an adaptation of Ted Chiang's This is the Story of Your Life? Is that mm-hmm. the name of the story? Yeah. Um, incredible story, incredible movie. Uh, Blade Runner takes the tiniest sliver of This is uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep um, and turns that into a movie by excising 90% of that book. So 
one thing to think about is, you know, we've seen Shadow and Bone get turned into an entire, you know, multi-season series. And I think that has been very useful for that series because it gives it the room to breathe, right? Um, Or, you know, we see The Hunger Games become a trilogy, those kind of things, right? So when you're thinking about what makes a short story versus what makes a a novel, one way to think about it, just because we consume so much visual media at this point, is what feels right as a movie versus what feels right as a TV series, uh, what's going to be a 10-part, 8-part, whatever it is, versus what am I going to sit and experience in 90 minutes, two hours? Yeah. I, I, have, a, um, I have a metric for this uh, because this will happen to a lot of people um, where they, they, uh, they go into novel land before they even start writing with their very, you know, with the, and and while I have said, I think you can do it with either, you do have to constrain it. You do have to decide what you're going to focus on if you're going to go into short. So buckle up. I'm about to do math. (laughs) So I have this formula. We're going to put it in the liner notes. So don't panic, but it's basically this L uh, that's the length of the story. So the length of the story is equal to Characters plus places. So each character or location can add between 500 to 1,000 words to your scene or story, depending on the writer, but approximately that. And so you're going to add those two together. You're going to multiply them by 750 because that's the average of 500 to 1,000. So let's say that you've got two characters in three locations, and that's five total. You multiply that, you get 3,750. Then you multiply that by the number of your major plot threads, those mice elements that I was talking about. So let's say that you've got three major mice threads. So that means that now your story is looking at 11,250. And then you divide it by 1.5, which represents making the story half again as long because each mice element can make your story half again as long because you have to keep it alive. You're spending words on it. And so that means that that story would be 7,500 words. So when you're sitting down to write a story and you're like, this is about seven brothers on a voyage through seven continents, you're like, (laughs) this is clearly not a short story. Um, It's not a perfect formula. I want to be clear. This can be a diagnostic. Mm -hmm. Um, It can give you kind of a loose idea of short story, novella, novel. But what it can also do is help you reverse engineer, like, why is this so long? Sometimes I will find myself going, oh, look, I've just added two farmhands. Do I need the farmhands? What are the farmhands doing? What load-bearing thing are they doing? Mm-hmm. If they aren't, then I'll look at how can I pull them out? How can I roll them together to constrict, to, to, to pull my length down? That's a really cool tool for thinking about that layer cake density I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier, right? And it's like, if you have two layers, birthday cake, that's a short story. If you have a meal foy, then, you know, then that means you have so many characters, so many locations that there's no way you can fit this into a short story length. But maybe it's a novella length, right? Maybe you're 30,000 words, according to that math. So one thing that's been mentioned a couple times here is the novella. And I find it to be a fascinating length. And when I was in grad school, I actually took a bunch of novellas and went to look to see like how big they were and what was inside of them. I'd be curious to see how they work with that formula. The thing that I found is they they tended to have no more than usually three characters, like two to three characters and about eight scenes. 
where and one single overarching goal there weren't really side plots there might be more complicated things happening but it was like there's one thing that I want to do and I'm doing it through eight different sort of try fail or different places that I'm taking at different locations and there's only like two or three other people involved <laughs> which I thought was a really interesting way to like and I feel like that really lines up with that formula I'm glad you mentioned that uh, try-fail because that's the other place that you can control and something that you can do in short fiction that's harder to do in long fiction. Mm. So the number of try-fail cycles that your character goes through affects the length of the, the thing. Yep. And one of the things you can do in short fiction is have implied try-fail cycles that you come in like on their third attempt. It's like, we had already tried these two other things. And, and so you come in on that third one or you say, well, we're going to do this. And then you do a scene break and you come back after they have, they have done yes. some of that. So you can, you can do some of that in ways that would frustrate a novel reader because they're reading for immersion often. that They can get frustrated when they see you skip things. They're like, well, I wanted to see that too. Mm -hmm. I think there's an instinct to say, oh, a novella is this word count. It's halfway between a short story and a novel. But I actually find a novella is much closer to a short story than a novel. I think yeah. the gap between novella and novel is much bigger than the gap between short story and novella. And I do think it's mostly about this try-fail cycle about how you're executing. It's not that there are more layers. Maybe there's like one more layer of novella than there is in a short story. But you're drawing out the action. You're, you're going a little bit deeper into the questions and sort of drawing out the dynamics a little bit more. So for me, a novella is a short story that's just given a little bit more room to breathe, allowed to take up a little bit more space. Um, and then sometimes when I see somebody like trying to write a short novel, I'm like, no, 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 let's back this off. Let's make this a, a longer thing and give give room for all of those plots and all those characters to have their own arcs. Yeah, one of the tricks, one of the tricks to remember here is that the uh, the word counts associated. The word counts that define the box that we are working within. Um, a novel is, you know, begins at 50,000 words and runs clear out to half a million. I don't know. How. Chihuahua killers. It's so... And so <laughs> I've not heard that term and before. And so the really? difference you hadn't? Goodness. That's I, I hear doorstopper, but... Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so continue. If the chihuahua was standing next to the door, I'm oh, not going to no. finish the thought. Um, I'll leave that as an exercise to the listener. Um, <clears throat> the point here is that a novella is, you know, between novelette and novel length, except novel length begins at 50,000, but how many 50,000-word novels have you really read? Depends Back on the, in the genre. Day. Back in the day, lots. Lots of literary novels are 50,000, lots of romance, mysteries. There, there, there are many publishing categories where... 50 to 70 is a very normal length. And actually, they think that science fiction fantasy is completely bonkers. I'm very jealous of my fellow agents who work in those fields. I'm out here editing a 200,000-word novel on a regular right. basis, and they think well, I'm see, and mad. What I was aiming for, actually, was more like 90,000. Yeah. Um, when we just finished uh, NaNoWriMo a month or so ago. Um, and yeah, 50,000 is the mark. But for a lot of us, we don't feel like we've finished the novel until our box that we're writing within has 90 to 100,000 words in it, which is three times the length of a novella. Yeah. 
I've been thinking about the the layer cake analogy uh, mm-hmm. that we were talking about, and I think this is helping me uh, think about how to write the novel I will write in the future. Uh, and one of the things is that like everything doesn't have to be in the same layer. Yes, yes. you know what I mean. Like, because I feel like part of in a short story, like you're, it's like you've taken a layer cake and like smushed it into like one amuse bouche, <laughs> like so that like you're getting yeah. it all in one bite, and so. Yeah your one character kind of has to be doing all the things. But in a longer work, you can have like this part of the theme or this part of the experience happen in one place and this part happen in another. And actually what made me think of this was you talking about movies versus series. Mm-hmm. I'm a big soap opera fan. And I was thinking about the way that soap operas, the longest running genre ever, uh, like deal with things and how they deal with romance. They will usually yeah. have a couple falling in love a couple really in love, a couple breaking up, and a couple just noticing each other. So mm-hmm. they're giving you every aspect of romance happening, but not with the same couple. Mm-hmm. And that way you're getting the full layers of the love in the afternoon that you want if you watch soaps, but you're not trying to make it all happen in the same two people. What a cool oh, thing to notice. Great. I love that. Compressing yeah. all of those layers, you've made me think of baklava. No, Which, I'm all yeah. of those, li- I know. I well, know. Between is next. last week's, you know, uh, box of chocolates and the cake and the dessert this week, we, mm. we are torturing our listeners. You know what? I'm going to suggest that we do fit this episode into the box. Okay. Uh, because lunch break is next, and I think that we can let our listeners go. Absolutely. That's right, with some homework. So our homework this week is that I would like you to write a scene with two different endings. Uh, For the first attempt, I would want you to try and put a button on this story uh, that makes it more of a short fiction scene, right? Something that closes it up, you know, leaves you an an exit, a way to get out real quick. And then another version of the scene that asks a new question, and that opens it up into a bigger work, right? So find a way to close it off and then find a way to open it up with new questions, new things to explore at the end of the scene. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. We love hearing about your successes. Have you sold a short story or finished your first novel? Tell us about it. Tell us about how you've applied the stuff that we've been talking about. Use the hashtag WXSuccess on social media or drop us a line at success at writingexcuses.com. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.